0: Welcome to the Imago Day podcast, the show of philosophical and theological reflections with Joseph Terry. My name is Lewis, and I'm here with Joe. Joe, how are you doing? I'm good. What up? What up? <laughs> Today, <laughs> we go into the uh, final part of our discussion on Maximus's uh, theology of the body. And this is part three, um, entitled Eschatological Flesh. Now, Joe, you, you're giving me six syllable words here. eschatological i had to really uh take my time to pull out the dictionary understand so i thought right right. uh, we should begin our discussion first by defining eschatology which uh, miriam webster defines as a branch of theology concerned with the final events in the history of the world or of humankind Uh, i have a feeling that um in this section of the paper you're really talking about uh, humankind uh, and like the purpose of the body so um, I want to just jump into the first sentence of part three in your paper, yeah. which uh, again, just a reminder to listeners, the, there will be a link to the paper in the um, show notes. So definitely check it out and also listen to part one and two of our discussion <clears throat> um, to just be caught up. But um, you say in the very beginning, the integrity of flesh is preserved eternally since its principle subsists without change. Even after accidental change, according to temporal dynamics, birth and death, or transfiguration. Um, what do you mean when, when you're saying that the integrity of flesh is preserved eternally? What do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, that's a great question.
0: <clears throat> well, let me, before we
1: even get to that sentence, sen- okay. sentence and um, uh, help us unpack what I'm writing there, I just want to say that overall, um, what I'm attempting to do in this paper the, the paper itself, as you know, is broken up into three parts um, there's sort of three movements. the first part I try to situate Maximus uh, and his reading of of the of flesh and of his somatology, his understanding of the body uh, within the Genesis narrative um, okay. Genesis in relation to Christ and then the second part, um, I'm focusing on Maximus's explication of that theology, him drawing out the the implications of the um <clears throat> the rootedness of our passability um uh and the body as it were via vis-a-vis the the revelation of Christ in his humanity, right? Uh, And so, in this part where we are now, the eschatological flesh, it's like a mouthful, right? This academic paper, (laughs) it's a lot of big words. This part, I'm looking into the future. Mm -hmm. What is, in other words, Maximus's understanding of where we are going, what our bodies mean for eternity? Right. And mm-hmm. so when using the word eschatology here, just like the, the definition you gave, that that's pretty much it. I like mm. to see, I like to consider the word eschatology simply as God's future. Right. Mm. Where all things are heading. Mm. Um, and we can begin to speak of God's future because, as I said in the last episode, the very resurrection of Christ and the kingdom, the inbreaking of the kingdom is um, really the future crashing into the present. So we we gain intimations and perceptions of what will come. We don't get the full picture, right? The full mm-hmm. picture has not yet occurred on our mm-hmm. side of eternity, let's say. Um, but we see, for instance, um, um, those intimations or those images that will come from the future. So we could talk, for instance, about... The future glorified state of the body, which again, we don't see, we don't know the full picture, but we can say that the future body, our body, your body, my body, all of our bodies will be one of a resurrected um, glory, but Mm -hmm. that this resurrected glory does not diminish the physicality of our body. And we can mm-hmm. see this through the resurrection accounts of Christ, mm-hmm. who was very adamant to communicate, as we've said already, uh, his embodiment, right? That he was not a ghost, he was not a disembodied spirit, but mm-hmm. that he was in his full somatic self, in his full bodily self. Right. Um, nevertheless, there's some deep transformation that has occurred. In as far, for instance, he, show, he just pops up, and 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 the windows and doors are closed and he disappears and disappears at will and all these things yes. right mm-hmm. so it's 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 considering those particular passages in scripture mm-hmm. um uh uh that maximus in conjunction with his earlier work and just his overall theological project uh and maximus is um helping us to see all right uh, this is this is not merely the orientation of ourselves. This is what will take place. It, mm-hmm. We can speak of the flesh eschatologically. Now, when I use the word flesh, right, it's a, it's a pregnant word, you just like the word eschatology. It's just filled mm-hmm. with so much meaning. It's, I think, a properly theological word. Um, the flesh here... Uh, doesn't signify the sinful nature right the that 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 brokenness as it were it, it just here the word flesh signifies the somatic self right okay. soma meaning in Greek body mm-hmm. the embodiedness of our lived existence mm-hmm. and so when in this sentence uh we have the integrity of flesh is preserved eternally mm. um What I'm saying here, uh, as I read Maximus, is that the flesh, um, our bodiliness, will not evaporate in the resurrection. It Mm -hmm. will not, we will not be, in essence, disembodied spirits for all eternity. Mm -hmm. Uh, And there's more than just simply stating that, it's also stating that there is, for all eternity, some finitude and some concreteness, some tangibleness. To ourselves. And I think this is a huge move because this is so counterintuitive to many of the dispositions of early Greek uh, philosophers who would speak of a future state as a disembodied state, right? And the the, the Greek tendency, the Greek philosophical tendency to see our bodies as um, sort of prisons Mm. of our higher self, which is the soul. And so, what Maximus is doing, who is here cognizant of that philosophical tradition mm-hmm. he's he's bringing to bear the the realities of his own faith as a christian right mm-hmm. the the content of revelation and he's saying no um the 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 dispositions and the intuitions of Greek philosophy on this point uh misses the mark in mm-hmm. fact, we are to be human, and he spends some time talking about this in his works. Uh, to be human is to be a body soul composite, as we've spoken about in our last episodes, mm-hmm. and and that that integrity, right? The the body soul composite. Remember, we can't really speak of the body. Uh, divorced from the soul. And we can't really speak of the soul divorced from the body. So that's also what I mean here with regards to the integrity of flesh, as that Mm -hmm. body-soul composite will be preserved. It will be maintained eternally. What we tend to do is we tend to disembody the soul, right? We tend to think of those things as separable. Mm -hmm. But for Maximus, from beginning uh, that, that is an impossibility because the Logoi, right, the the the, the fundamental uh, principle that all human beings subsist in, which is rooted in the Logos, the eternal Logos, that is Jesus, who holds all things together. The Logoi of the human being is a composite creature. And so this is what I'm saying here as I read Maximus, that the integrity of flesh is preserved eternally since its principle, that is a Logoi, subsists. Within, without change, even after accidental change, according to temporal dynamics, birth and death, or or transfiguration. So what the heck does that mean? So accidental changes, right? We come into being, as it were, um, and we pass out of being. These are in one sense, accidental. Um, or peripheral changes, in other, way, in other ways of saying that, right? That time is the unfolding of, uh, of eternity, as the philosopher Plato will say. And, and, uh, but, but what takes priority is the eternal. And so from God's perspective, he knew you, and he knew me, before the foundations of the world, before the formation of the actual cosmos, before he spoke anything into creation. We, we were already on his mind. Wow. And so, as Christians, we can even speak of his love being eternal like that, that he loved you into existence mm-hmm. and and his love will continue to to be with you even when you cease to exist on on the temporal side of reality mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. when we pass away, when we fall asleep in Christ, when we die. And so mm-hmm. the changes occur. change is a function of time, but from an eternal perspective, it is what it is, as we would say in the hood. <laughs> <laughs> it, is wow. it, is. it is what like, it is. Ontological. It is what it is, right? <laughs> and so even in our transfigured state, the transfigured state, the glorified state, is the full culmination of what we were destined, what we were destined for, what God's eternal plan.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, but that the transfiguration does not remove the embodiedness of reality. And and what's so key here for Maximus is that all of this is rooted in his Christology because mm-hmm. Christ in Christology and his understanding of the of of Jesus Jesus it, Christ is the com- it, it is God the fullness of God in bodily form as Paul mm-hmm. writes in Colossians. So this is the fullness mm-hmm. of God in bodily form, and that it is actually God's will. It is God's desire to be embodied in all things. Right? He he wants to fill all in all, as Paul mm-hmm. says somewhere else in scriptures. Right. Um, it, it, God wants to be preeminent in all things. And so that mm-hmm. we can, as we see intimations of this, even in the Old Testament, that his glory fills the earth, that there's nowhere we will not be able to see God, right? And so mm-hmm. God is drawing all of this out into his future. And we're on for the, we're,
0: we're along for the ride. Yeah. <laughs> can, you, um, can you speak a bit about um, vocation then with that mm-hmm. in mind, like just the role that, that flesh plays in vocation, given, uh, God's desire to kind of fill all things. Yeah. Um, You mentioned it kind of early, um, in like part one, just Mm. with the the call that Adam had. And I'm just wondering with all that in mind, like what is, how do we approach our vocation and guiding our flesh, um, with this understanding of, of God in Christ? Yeah, it's a great question, and 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 just for our listeners, the word vocation
1: simply means calling, right? Mm-hmm. Just means mm-hmm. right, vocal right? in Latin, call vocal, um, and and I think it's a good question because it will in in thinking about this question, not just collectively but even personally and individually, mm-hmm. um, it will get us to a place where we will be able to think. Uh, concretely about our everyday life, right? Mm-hmm. So I think in one sense, we can approach the question from a sort of existential, practical end. In another mm-hmm. sense, we can, we, can, we can explore this theoretical. And we could start maybe with the theory in light of what um, Maximus is saying, right? And so mm-hmm. uh, the call of the human being is to be fully embodied in God,
0: mm-hmm.
1: in essence, to, to be, to be um, one with God, not to the degree in which individuality or rather, let me say it like this, not to the degree in which the person is um, dissolved in a sea of God, as it were, mm-hmm. so that mm-hmm. there's no integrity of the self. So that somehow, uh, you know, as we can see these uh, uh, movements in the Eastern religions, that uh, you kind of pass into the infinite abyss. And, and mm-hmm. there's the, uh, let's say in Buddhism, the extinguish the extinguishing of the self, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or this sort of melting away into the sea, kind of like a drop returning to an ocean. Beautiful mm-hmm. images, but that's not exactly the, the, uh, the eschatological picture for the Christian. We could mm-hmm. speak of a drop returning to the sea as long as the drop can remain the drop in the context of the sea. That's more or less what, um uh the vision that maximus is seeing here and our call right so our Mm -hmm. call is to return to god and now the the more we return to him the more we actually become who we are see the closer we draw closer to god the the closer we we draw to god the more our integrity and our self becomes magnified right Mm -hmm. because it is god's desire or for his creatures to have this sort of integrity and, and in, it, in, in the integrity of creation, we reflect the glory of God eternally, mm. okay? And so what does this then mean for the body? Well, this is very interesting, right? Because <clears throat> if it is the case that the integrity of flesh is preserved eternally, then what that means is what we do with our bodies now has eternal significance. Wow. Okay, what we do with our bodies now mm-hmm. possesses eternal significance. We see this with Paul, and we've talked about this in our past episodes, I believe, on Mac with Maximus mm-hmm. about what you do with the body. It's really what you're doing with Christ. That your body is a living temple, and so the the Bible is filled with all of this language, right? Temple language, um, uh, parts of Christ, right? This sort of different metaphors. To 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 signify the gravity of our flesh, mm-hmm. that we cannot live in such a way where we can ignore the body. Mm-hmm. Now, as it is from Maximus, right? He will place greater emphasis on the soul. In the, in as far as the soul, as it were, leads the body in the training of virtue, as we spoke about. Uh, but but we do not want to break or sever the relationship between soul and body, because as Maximus will also say, you cannot speak of the two uh, individually. You have to speak of them in, in a sort of composite unity. Mm-hmm. So this is interesting, right? What, what, what we do with our bodies have eternal significance. Mm-hmm. And so um, I, I think we, we can really meditate on that, right? Because does this mean then should we go to the gym and eat healthy? Well, maybe yes, maybe no. Right? Mm-hmm. Um, does this mean? What does it mean with regards to piercings and tattoos? Right. So, mm-hmm. and, and we and we can arrive at I think different conclusions. But what Maximus is getting at here is far far more deeper than cosmetic. Questions, as it were, Mm -hmm. not that we should ignore the cosmetic question. I I think, given the the eschatological orientation, right? Given Mm -hmm. that the future is pulling the full integral the full integral self into the future, we ought to consider that. But what what Maximus here is getting at is really, I think, more of cultivating a disposition, a sort of cultivating an awareness within you, within me, Mm -hmm. uh, about the wholeness of our being. And that it mm. is God's desire to be embodied in all things. Mm. Um, while we sometimes want to be disembodied, mm. right? We, we sometimes think of transcendence as some sort of disembodiment. Mm. Uh, uh, for Maximus, no, transcendence means a transfiguration, right? A transformation of body-soul. Mm. Um, and so I think we then, in terms of our call, in terms of a vocation we ought to be cognizant of what we do with our bodies mm-hmm. how we how we live how we approach each other's bodies mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. that all of these things ought to be done within the rubric of love so mm-hmm. that if i approach you in your full integral self i mm-hmm. won't objectify you i won't use you in any way right mm-hmm. and so this doubles back to an ethic to a christian ethos that is rooted in love. Okay. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so uh, I I think um, we can, we can, we can sort of go down that route Mm -hmm. as we think about the body. I think, you know, even when we, when it comes to funeral rites, right. And the Christian tendency uh, to somewhat move away from cremation, right. And to kind Mm of bury the body as a, um, as a sign of hope that this body that I'm putting away in a coffin um, is done with the realization that this body will be raised from the dead, right? Mm -hmm. This, this, this awareness of the eternal preservation, right? Even though this body we sow into the ground as a seed that is dead, as Paul will say in first Corinthians 15, it will rise again, in the trans, in transfigured self. So just think of that. And that's a very powerful biblical image, right? So that mm-hmm. what we sow into the ground, we see this even with Jesus, right? The seed that goes into the ground is dead, right? Using that mm-hmm. metaphor. And then what comes out comes from the seed. But what comes out, what plant or whatever, looks nothing like the seed, yet it still has continuity with the seed. And so this is what I was saying, what I what I meant earlier with regards to we don't we don't know what we will look like but we mm-hmm. know that they will it will have continuity with who we are now it won't be the case where we will not be recognizable mm-hmm. right so mm-hmm. and it's just i think a lot of play on that but uh-huh, again good. this yeah the 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 vocation
0: the vocation mm-hmm. question is is a, a really good one there mm-hmm. yeah it also um i think it it I think I'm also asking a question about identity in a way. Mm. Uh, maybe it's just the American in me that <laughs> gravitated towards vocation first, but I think there's also a question of identity with our bodies and our, mm. this body-soul composite and, and what it means to, to have an identity within, mm. within God and, and within Christ. And um, I guess a question that I, I have, I have a question about faith and the role that faith plays in our understanding of who we are. Because it seems... Sorry, it's like a really loud truck going by. <laughs> <One> <laughs> what you call, this is what
1: you call urban podcasting. <laughs> we are on the streets. We on the streets out here.
0: From Philly to Queens. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> my, my question about faith is, is really like, um, it seems at times that faith is the uh sole ingredient to Mm. to kind of almost like the the fuel that drives that understanding that the fuel that drives our identity and vocation and and i'm just wondering like what type of role does faith play in our everyday life and understanding of who we are especially as christians because it, it seems like at times that faith is we talked about this last week, just like faith is like the only thing at times, you know, just that, that leap of faith. And I was wondering if you can kind of speak into that, just the role that faith plays in this understanding of of the body. That's great, that's great. You
1: know, I, I think faith in, in this sense is everything, right? Because faith, um, as the author of Hebrews writes eloquently, is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Many of the things that we're speaking of, we, we are not privy to, right? We, in, in terms of sight, right? It doesn't fall within the economy of, of the gaze, uh, as it were, right? We, we just don't see it yet, right? Mm-hmm. And, and when we look in the mirror, let's say, um, and, and look at ourselves in the mirror, um, we can look either through the eyes of faith or through some other eyes, as it were, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And so... If I don't, again, to go to the now towards the sort of aesthetic question, um, and and of course, at this point, we have, as it were, left Maximus, but let's see if Maximus can join us in this consideration, right? Can Mm -hmm. can he walk down this path with us? And I believe he can to some degree. Um, If I don't like what I see in the mirror, right? And we all have that, right? We all have parts of ourselves that uh, may not be in line with, with the ideal that we, we mm-hmm. have. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, the question is, uh, what do we do with that? Right. And, and, and to what degree is that, um, site, um, that perceives flaw, uh, or lack, um, to what degree is that site, uh, co-opted by an alien site that is, that is alien to our vocation, that is alien to God's love. Right? Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, we can see through the eyes of a sort of a capitalism. We can see through the eyes of a sort of a consumeristic um, perspective. We can see through the eyes of, of, of many, many eyes, many kinds of gazes. Mm-hmm. But if I look into the mirror through the eyes of faith, I can smile because... Through the eyes of faith, I see an object that's infinitely more than just an object. But to use that language, I, I see a person uh, that is eternally loved, engulfed mm-hmm. in God's providential plan. That mm-hmm. I am subsisting, I am dwelling. That I have my that I live and move and have my being in the one that is infinite love right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and to the degree in which i can see that using this example of the mirror is the degree in which i'm able to see through the eyes of faith mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. because in that will then be in my own heart a disputation there will be beef there will be a fight between <laughs> the gaze from above the eschatological gaze right the gaze of faith in other words mm-hmm. and the fallen gazes that will mm. say bro you're playing mm. yourself you just yeah yeah god loves you but that don't change the way you look bro you still look <laughs> like this you know yeah. what i mean like you're still, <laughs>
0: yeah
1: right and mm-hmm. and we can play with this context of gaze um in relation to faith in many different ways even when we forget the mirror right just the, when you think of self right you could think of mm-hmm. it in terms of the moral universe right where you could begin to see yourself as one that is guilt ridden right? Mm-hmm. You're just like, oh, mm-hmm. bro, I keep dropping the ball or whatever. And the devil, one of the names, uh, the devil is the accuser, right? The mm-hmm. accuser. I'd be like, the finger at you. You see how you keep dropping? You're not about this life. You're not about this life, right? And then you mm-hmm. can say like Martin Luther said, oh, bro, yeah, I'm a sinner. I'm a chief of sinners. Mm-hmm. Like Paul said, right? I, yeah. Well, you ain't telling me anything new devil, but I, I, I'm not confident in my ability to stand. I'm confident in the grace of God who's mm-hmm. giving me the strength and teaching me even in my falls mm-hmm. to stand. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, uh, so there are many ways in which we can leverage faith, but more to the question, um, faith is all pervasive. Faith is mm-hmm. everything. Um, mm-hmm. And um, w- w- we can't, we cannot live, um, as followers of the way, we cannot live outside of faith. It's, mm-hmm. it's just an impossibility because mm-hmm. the epoch, the age in which we find ourselves in one form or another is contrary to the vision of God. And mm-hmm. only through the eyes of faith, using that metaphor of eyes again, can we see what God is doing in the midst of the brokenness and fallenness and the despair of this age Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm. and
1: even in our bodies Mm
0: -hmm. that
1: god desires to be embodied in all things Mm -hmm. um and then connected again also to the question of vocation and faith um as we spoke about and as i have here in this third part of the paper it was it, it was god's intent that adam would as it were uh rule all things in love right um that it was god's intent for adam to to recapitulate all things in himself Mm -hmm. and god actually brings it about in the last adam in the second adam that is christ and so our bodies our souls are to uh bring together the varying fissures of reality right Mm -hmm. this is very cosmic now right bring together Mm -hmm. the various strands and fissures of reality into a cohesive unity that is fundamentally rooted in the eternal logos the eternal intelligibility of all things so so I, i think it's telling that when I speak of Maximus and when we think of Maximus, it, it, it continually veers towards the mystical. And that makes sense, especially for the doctors of the church, especially for the Eastern doctors, right? They, these are mystical theologians. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, they're seeing the everyday uh, through, through, through the gaze of Christ and through that eschatological gaze. And so then you, you can't help but get mystical there. Yeah. So I'm looking here at a line, I I have, and I want to say this is like page 13, okay. the, the first whole paragraph down, I wrote, all things find their rest in God, according mm-hmm. to those things that move. Remember that whole idea of movement and rest is mm-hmm. to be understood under Aristotelian perspective, not locomotion, but, but from potential to actual. So mm-hmm. in that all things find their rest means that all things are actualized in God, all things... Uh, just think of that pen uh, example that I gave, right? The, the pen, mm-hmm. as it were, when it's, when it's being used for writing, is resting. It, in other words, it is, being, is actualizing its potential,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: right? So all things find their rest in God and all things find their stability in God, according to those things that remain stable. And this rest is brought to completion, along with those things that are stable. In the assumption of human nature, since... Humanity's vocation, there it is again, that phrase, humanity's calling is to stand between all, betwixt all, summing up all things within himself as mediator, so that the great call of the human being is to be a mediator. It's very interesting, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Both intelligible and sensible. So, by way of union, God's embodiment as the hypostasis of flesh and divinity brings all things to completion in him. And, and what is Maximus doing here as he, as he uh, writes about these things? I mean, these are my words, but these are these words, are, as it were, are just simply reflecting on what Maximus has already said beautifully, far more beautifully, I would say, uh, in his own words. Well, how, what is Maximus doing? He's simply reading the Bible.) <laughs> he's 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 reading the book of ephesians very carefully he's reading the book of colossians carefully revelation closely right he's just really reading scripture Mm -hmm. in concert with those who have come before him, right? The other fathers and doctors of the church, the mothers of the church, the desert mothers, the desert fathers, right? Uh, Mm -hmm. And he's like, look at this. Look at the beauty of this, right? Uh, And he's bringing it all out for us. And so, um, uh, and I wrote here, you know, as I stated above in the paper, this vocation was initially lost, but glory to God, recovered by Christ, the Mm -hmm. savior of humanity, a reconciler of the cosmos um and and i just want to read this i just want to read this uh passage it may be a little um you know it's, but this is a direct quote from uh maximus he says in this way adam misused used his natural god-given capacity to unite what is divided so again like what, what was adam's cause to unite what is somehow naturally divided right to bring things together right mm-hmm. i i think what comes to mind right now is the the phrase of, of of jesus from the the beatitudes right and he says uh, blessed are those who are peacemakers for they will be called children of god mm-hmm. right and when we think of peacemakers we i i would submit that we typically think of that as um sort of mediating between two persons that are some sort of tension, right? Mm-hmm. And that I would say it's definitely included in that. But I, I think Jesus is getting at far more here than just bringing together warring, warring parties. As important as that is, as mm-hmm. as as really important as that is, right? Yeah. And that that we would be called, we are called children of God when mm-hmm. we mediate, right? Um, this is very interesting, right? So uh, then he goes on to say here. Um, Let me just read that again. In this yeah. way, Adam misuses uh, natural God-given capacity to uh, unite what is divided. And to the contrary, divide what was united and thus was in great danger of lamentable, lamentably returning to noth- uh, non-being. This was why, quote, the natures were innovated. So he's quoting from Gregory there. So that in a paradox beyond nature, <laughs> the one, hmm. capital O, Mm-hmm. Who is completely immobile, according to his nature, moved
0: immovably?
1: Right. So you see the paradox here: moved immovable. Yeah. How can something <laughs> that is immovable move? Right, so to speak, around that which, by nature, is moved. And God became man. <laughs> right. So he's speaking here eloquently of the uh, inc- incarnation. He's speaking of it in terms of paradoxes. Mm-hmm. That should, for you, Lewis, by the way, uh, bring up some some flags because what you what you're hearing there. Is some other thinker that we spoke about in a couple episodes in the past called mm-hmm. Zorin Kierkegaard? He's the <laughs> he's the he loves to talk about the paradox, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then God became man in order to save lost men. And after he had united through himself the natural fissures running through the general nature of the universe and had revealed the universal pre-existing principles of parts to fulfill the great purpose of God the Father, recapitulating all things, both in heaven and on earth. In himself, in whom they also had been created. Anyway, so, the, mm-hmm. so, the, so, so Jesus is savior of the entire cosmos. How wow. so? He embodies all <laughs> things. What do you mean? He's God in the flesh, okay? Mm-hmm. And in his dwelling, right, he actually reveals to all of creation, all of creation's vocation, their goal and that they that they are to subsist in him and that he mm-hmm. brings all things together as the reconciler as the mediator and so the embodiment the embodied god is the eschatological vision given and is also the means by which god's salvific work is accomplished and then i have here a line passable flesh
0: mm-hmm.
1: discloses impassibility again this is the rift right this is the paradoxical rift mm-hmm. passable that word passable meaning simply changeable sufferable that we can suffer in our bodies right that the suffering discloses that which cannot suffer Mm -hmm. (laughs) this is crazy right in other words god impassibility right temporality time discloses eternity (laughs) finitude our finiteness our limitedness, Mm -hmm. our boundedness, our conditionalness Mm -hmm. discloses infinity. Hmm. Simultaneously concealing it in a transcendent manner, heightening the mystery to an infinite pitch, a mystery nevertheless given to us in tangible form Mm -hmm. in the person and the work of Christ. Only accessible in the final analysis. And this is this is this is referencing Maximus only
0: mm. accessible by faith. Mm-hmm. Wow. <sighs> so, so it's like the, the Christ Christ on earth was kind of the, the great paradox and just yes. also this great signal which yes. points to God's infinite Yes
1: in this yes. 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 moment. Wow. W- which is why I'm 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 saying in this paper Mm-hmm. that the uh, enfleshment of God, right? Mm-hmm. The incarnation of God does two things. It does more than than I would say this, these two things. It does everything well, as it were, mm-hmm. speaking to those terms. But, but the two elements that I'm bringing out here is salvation and revelation,
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: right? So that in Christ, we can behold God in a way that we never could mm-hmm. before. Wow. Uh, but obviously what we are beholding He's a human being. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Again, the paradox, right? But for the first time, we are able to gaze at God. So so there's a revelation given to us, but there's also salvation. Mm -hmm. Because it's not like Jesus came down simply to be on display. Like in Mm -hmm. Saks Fifth Avenue in the the Macy's store, like, da (laughs) like, take a look at me. Yeah. (laughs) But that his display. (laughs) (laughs) The coffee's working. Yeah. <laughs> Very well, I might add. is <laughs> yeah. salvation. It's salvation yeah. to us.
0: Uh, we are saved by virtue of this revelatory pitch. So, so Jesus' time on earth, the whole time through his action and his words, mm. he's pointing mm. at God the Father. Mm. Then he leaves. And then the call for us as followers of Christ is to point back to Bro, Christ, who was this human, it, it. and God who was pointing back to God the Father. hmm and 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 that sounds like an impossibility right uh, and, i mean at first it does at first it definitely mm, seems like an impossibility but I'm, I'm starting to understand it now through beautiful. maximus yeah sorry yeah, but what was yeah. the point that you, you were going to say no it's it's it, it, it the the
1: the the third person of, of the blessed trinity the holy spirit mm-hmm. dwelled in in christ mm-hmm. empowered christ on earth um and that same spirit is given to us. So we can do it. We can do it. We won't do it perfectly undecided, right? Because we're still caught between the times. We're still mm-hmm. fallen. Mm-hmm. But even in our fallenness, even remember, even in our weakness, mm-hmm. eternality is revealed, impossibility is revealed. Even in our death, and I think this is what Father John Baird does so beautifully in his book, uh, "The Mystery of Christ," and, and in his, his 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 scholarship around Arnaeus and other church fathers, is that he brings uh, 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 he brings to the fore the uh, the centrality of martyrdom, the centrality of death and of dying and of finitude as the highest uh, the highest mode of life for the follower of Christ right the paschal mystery right Mm -hmm. the passion Jesus on the cross is the highest revelation of God
0: Mm -hmm.
1: and what then does this mean for you and I right And, and, and in the small S of suffering and in the big S of suffering, the big mm-hmm. suffering that is martyrdom, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Paul says, you are to live as if you are dead to this world, mm-hmm. right? Uh, right? And then you, now we can talk about asceticism and mm-hmm. different modes of, of saying no to the movements of this world so that our yes is more emphatic for God. And it's not a puritanical perspective, Mm-hmm. It's not like, okay, let me just say no to all things that give me fun and pleasure. No, it's not about that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's actually about um wanting the highest pleasure. That is God.
0: Mm-hmm. It's about a
1: sort of spiritual hedonism, if you could even mm-hmm. speak like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which then would render the pleasures of this world in proper context. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> in proper context. Yeah. Because what happens, you know, what happens is orient ourselves to the pleasures of this world mediated mm-hmm. in, in and through our flesh, we are looking for what can, can't fundamentally satisfy us on the side. Wow. Right? It's yeah. like, so it's very similar to the example I give to my students. <laughs> when I say, let's say you have two papers and an exam doing uh, due uh, Monday and Tuesday, mm-hmm. but there's some amazing parties popping off friday and saturday and like your boo wants to hang out on sunday and everything like that right yeah and i'm like we all been at this point right procrastination right <laughs> it's like oh i gotta go to the thing. i'll somehow get to that paper and, and study for those exams when i get to it and then and then what we do is we keep pushing it back we keep pushing it back next thing you know it's like mm-hmm. sunday night three in the morning <laughs> you got to papers. you got to- Paper do you do exams and and at this point you're just sitting there with a, a Microsoft Word spread with your name on top of the <laughs> blank and you're yeah. now you forget about the work you're thinking about what stories you can conjure up to email your professor so you can get an extension right and yeah. what's interesting and I say what's it, here's how it works right because we approach things like this right it's like all right yeah I'm gonna I, I because we what we want we want the we want the fun pleasure now. Right, we we, mm-hmm. we especially in our culture, we know nothing yeah, of pleasure delaying, right? Yeah. It's like nah, yeah. it's not right. Uh so it's like I want that now. Uh I'll get to that other stuff later, I'll push it back. And we mm-hmm. do this, bro. Forget about parties. We don't we may not even we may be whack, like nothing, not invited to anything that weekend. We still <laughs> will wait to the last minute. We're just freaking yeah. binge watching Netflix Friday, <laughs> Saturday, doing nothing, bro. Yeah, scratching your behind. And then by the time you get <laughs> What you get there? You're like, oh. And what's interesting is, and here's what I say to my students: What Mm -hmm. do you notice within your heart? Let's say you in the class, and I give them a personal example. I I remember one time I used to, I used to hit the clubs. I used to be out partying and stuff. And Mm -hmm. I remember, let's say I would, I was in like some crazy, like New York City Sound Factory, okay, ninety nine two thousand. Glow sticks. You know what I'm saying? Glow sticks (laughs) out for like three, four in the morning, right? Three, four in the morning. (laughs) And it's like a drag show happening, and a crazy. Oh, it was just crazy. It was nuts, right? This was just, everything was right, and then all yeah. of a sudden, and all of a sudden, I had a moment of sobriety, which lasted about one, maybe two seconds, <laughs> in, the of, in the midst of the, the, the freaking wilding out. Mm-hmm. I came to, and I said to myself, "Oh, shit." <laughs> <laughs> like my life is 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 over Monday mm-hmm. and Tuesday. I got all these things. You got things that you gotta do. And then all of a sudden I I was like, I came back and I was back at a party again. <laughs> and and so I had moments of re- remembering of this 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 ordering is not right. Mm. What's even deeper here is that I when I when I am honest with myself, mm-hmm. I could never fully enter into the party. I could mm. never fully enter into whatever I was doing, right? because I knew in the back of my head, I knew what was coming. And mm-hmm. I was delaying the inevitable.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Now if mm-hmm. we inverted, and if, I, if we get the stuff done ahead of time, or we just, we just say no to the parties, or we mm-hmm. cut out one party, whatever the case is, and we just focus on the work, then when we are free, we are truly free to enter fully into the pleasure that whatever we wanna do,
0: let's say. Wow,
1: yeah. You I see what it's I mean? The priorities, yeah, It's the priorities, the higher order of pleasure, thing Mm -hmm. and so you see that dynamic Mm -hmm. you see that dynamic uh uh in 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 the christian vision of reality Mm -hmm. um and um it's just it just brought to an infinite pitch and and inverted in so many beautiful ways so
0: yeah that's it yeah so when you um just this paper overall i mean you spent a lot of time reading maximus and and it just his theology of the body what, it, what are your thoughts on his theology now? Um, just diving in through his work and, and all of that.
1: I like it, man. I really like, I, I really like Maximus' Somentology, his anthropology. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like it because it's at the heart of his Christology. It's at the heart of his Trinitarian theology. It's really mm-hmm. at the heart of his theology, right? At the heart mm-hmm. of, of Maximus's theological musings is, is, is the human being. Yeah. Um, um, and, and, and so I like that because it it affords us a big picture perspective of what it means for us to be us, Mm -hmm. especially Mm -hmm. for us to be us in Christ. Um, and I think that's so important for, for this day, you know, while we're in an age where we are uh, seeking to augment always our flesh Mm -hmm right? Uh, We're in the age of sort of transhumanism, right? We now have technology to edit genes. And and just on the sort of more lower level, social media and Mm -hmm. the use of our cell phones changing Mm -hmm. us, right? In our Mm -hmm. brains. I think Maximus is an important person to pay attention to because the technologies are new, but the human inclination to Alter and augment is as old as time. It, it goes all the way back. Wow. Now we have technologies that will really fundamentally change us. <laughs>
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, and, so, and so it becomes a pressing question as to what we are, how we are to appropriate this stuff, and, and, and how we are to, from, an, from another side, how we are to um, be with each other. Questions mm-hmm. of identity, gender. Uh, sexual orientation, the mm-hmm. whole nine, right? This is the anthropological age. Mm-hmm. And given the age that we are in, the questions that people are wrestling with, mm-hmm. um, I think Maximus is an important figure. So I, I appreciate his voice. Um, I appreciate what he's bringing to the table. Mm-hmm. And and just for the aesthetic value, forget about the pragma- pragmatic application, just the aesthetic and contemplative value of Maximus is just off the charts. Yeah, um, And we are called to contemplate. We are called to to raise our minds and hearts to God in prayer and in mm. contemplation, to, mm. to dwell in the beauty uh, that is true, that is good, right? Mm. Um, this is the highest form, right? As we reach out to the invisible communities, as we are there for the disenfranchised, Mm-hmm. And so I think Maximus is just, just wonderful mm-hmm. for those reasons.
0: Yeah. Well, I also want to say uh, thank you for making his work accessible um, through your paper and, and these conversations. I've been exposed to Maximus uh, through through your work, and I just it, it's really kind of rocked my world as well too. Just wonderful. I'm very happy to that. hear that. Yeah. Wonderful. The view on identity and and vocation and, and faith. Uh, great conversation so thank you joe wonderful you. no down bro yeah <laughs> yeah